I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear Podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you. That's right, man. I'm, I'm liking how this episode is shaping up. I like this title. It's our seven favorite unsung heroes of jazz. So these are non-singers. <laughs> I don't think there's a singer in the bunch, actually. Good, because they're unsung. They're unsung. No, I think the, uh, the idea with this is people that maybe aren't household names even in the jazz community, but yeah. have contributed hugely to to jazz and, and pushing it forward both musically and in business and just getting it out there to the wider world. Yeah, I love it. And I think we're about half and half, something like that, musicians, non-musicians, which is great because this music, I mean, of course, the musicians are so important, but there are these other great characters that have been involved that have done wonderful things promoting the music and, and, and bringing it along. And I'm already thinking of a bunch that were apologizing. We should apologize in advance for leaving off a bunch of great unsung important people especially non-musicians that i'm thinking of now. yeah we could actually do a whole non-musician list we could actually do like a whole record executive list we could do a yeah. whole club owner list i mean there's a ton of people that have really given if we only we had an outlet and a channel to do all these things on yeah, like, like a, daily could, podcast. a daily podcast <laughs> or something. i don't know maybe maybe someday in the future sorry my chair is still squeaking i actually switched it out from yesterday's but it's i think it's this the, is a different it's is it the me? way you're sitting is it, you're what sitting you loudly because I'm, I'm moving a little, I mean it's a ro- okay my bad I think my, my bad. chair has a squeak too but you never hear it no you're, you're totally stationary yeah, right. totally bland it's well, stationary you just stay put okay and I'm going to start with number one which is Kenny Clark Ooh. great drummer uh, I think unsung hero because he invented the ride cymbal pattern that we all know and love today the, the spangalang the spangalang and we talked about that yesterday how important that is for the jazz sound right it's an incredibly important I feel Sounded like now I'm going to challenge you a little bit. I hate to challenge you on number one, but is he really unsung? Well, maybe beyond, and definitely not among jazz drummers. He's sung. He's right? sung among jazz drummers. I wonder, though, I mean, I don't hear a lot of chatter about him outside of jazz drummers. Interesting. Um, I mean, he's one of my favorite drummers of all time. I oh, think yeah. he swings. He's got that straight kind of swing, yeah. which is crazy because he invented that sort of pattern <laughs> on the right cymbal, but it's different than anybody else's. I always really, hear that direct lineage from him to Max Roach yeah, with totally, the ride symbol, totally. you know. Yeah, but I think could get more accolades than than he gets right, personally. Right. Okay. Um, number two, I'm going to just mention um, and kind of memorialize a little bit Lorraine Gordon, who was a longtime proprietor. We actually just lost her a few, uh, that's right. a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah. Le- less than two months ago. Um, Lorraine was an incredible. Of course, her husband Max Gordon founded the Village Vanguard in I want to say the. I, the 30s or 40s I mean like a long time ago um, but Lorraine uh, was there I think Max was older than her um, I mean Max probably died in like the 80s or something um, but Lorraine continued was always very integral to running the club the Village Vanguard in, in of course in West Village in New York City uh, and Lorraine ran it all the way until a couple of months ago I mean was just an incredible character All knew all the musicians um, she was crazy <laughs> but everybody loved her um, and, you know, there's some classic things. I mean, we could do a whole week's worth of episodes of stories of just, for my limited time in the Vanguard, things that I saw, like discussions and arguments between her and Stanley Crouch down there, Betty Carter, Cecil Taylor. getting it's awesome. Uh, but, I mean, the last time I was there in last December, I saw her get into a very colorful conversation with uh, uh, Kevin, not Kevin Spacey. Um, who's the guy who's on the blacklist, the actor? 
Oh, James Spader. James Spader. Yeah. James Spader was there. So James Spader's been coming there apparently since he was like a teenager because he grew up in that neighborhood. And so he's known Lorraine since he was like a kid, you yeah, know, yeah. And, and she's always like, what are you doing back in here? You know, it's this great stuff between them. But I mean, Lorraine just had a love for the music and an understanding of the institution that the Village Vanguard became long ago. And, and you know, a lot of people thought that she kept um, things maybe too limited in terms of who played there. But I mean, I think history really proved it out how important she was, what a hero she was to the music to keep this place going, to keep it original. Uh, and I mean, she did stuff like would trade out the piano when it needed to be. And a lot of people thought, oh, she just kind of left it the same. But the club looked the same and sounded the same, which was great because that's the the jewel that it was. Yeah. But, I mean, she was always about quality there. She would trade out the piano at great expense when it needed to be done. Great staff, everything first class there. Um, truly an unsung hero. I mean, that's that's a, one of the most important places in the history of jazz. There's no yeah. doubt. Yeah, and it just it, it would not have survived without her. I mean, yeah. just there's no doubt. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, so for number three, we're going to go with Rudy Van Gelder. Ooh. Um, yes. This is a, a, a titan in the world of not just jazz, but of audio engineering. Yes. I mean, pioneer you're, too. A right? pioneer. Uh, Inglewood Cliffs uh, yep. is. You'll What's up, see, Jersey? You'll see. Yeah, New Jersey. <laughs> you'll see on the back of dozens of, if not hundreds, of oh, hundreds. jazz albums. Yeah. And he had. This is a, a, a engineer that developed his own sound that was not intrusive on the music, but really propelled the music forward in a way that, uh, and especially at that time, that it needed to be yes. propelled forward and, and gave a vibe to the music that was important for yeah. its growth and for uh, its artistry. So, I mean, we're talking about, you know, Coltrane, Miles, Monk, Sonny Rollins, Art Blakey, Joe Henderson, Freddie Hubbard, Wayne Shorter, Horace Silver, many, many more. Oh, yeah. Um, just, just an incredible person who helped this music um, literally sound better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, apparently he ran sessions too, or even if he wasn't running them in terms of producing it, but always the audio engineer, in, especially because it was his own studio, yep. is running it up to a certain degree, but it, in a way with a kind of space and freedom that allowed some of the most classic sessions ever to go down. So it's always the sound, but it's beyond that. It's the vibe of the place that, you know, given, given the right vibe to the musicians to be able to really create something. He did a n- number of like one day sessions yeah. uh, where entire classic records were made. And then, you know, he worked with a bunch of, I mean, it was like Impulse, Blue Note. I mean, he did a bunch of different prestige, a yeah. bunch of different labels and stuff. So, you know, he really typified the sound of jazz for a I generation. Mean, think how important the vibe of a studio is to your recording. Oh, I mean, it's like, it's everything. You, you don't, we don't talk about it enough, but like, it can make or break a session. I mean, you like to think that it's all in your your head, and you're you could you know you just power through or whatever. But yeah. when you're comfortable and you feel f- that freedom and everything looks and feels right for you, it yeah. can make a big difference. Yeah, for sure. Still in Jersey, but other than that, what are, we gonna do? what are you gonna do? All right, who you got? Love you, Jersey. Number I'm just four. Kidding. Number four. Okay, number four. Um, so this is a this gentleman was not was definitely known, but I would certainly say was unsung hero Thomas Stausend, hmm. an Austrian. Uh, guy that I met when I was like 20 years old playing with Betty Carter and I, I was it was kind of a shameful thing I didn't know who he was he was actually one of the founders of ECM records yeah um, but he was also a very important agent like in the 70s and 80s um, up until the 90s uh, and, and created a great agency um, Sauda days and like brought a bunch of like the top Brazilian musicians for the first time to Europe and did, did all these amazing things and I did a tour when I was 20 with Betty Carter and he was the agent 
uh, the booking agent on and came out on some of the gigs and was like really kind to me and like told me stories and stuff about the musicians. And I, the more he would talk about the people he'd worked with, I was like, man, this guy seems like he's so important. Yeah. Um, why is he talking to me about yeah, all this? Yeah, you know. Yeah. And then I kind of looked him up later. This is pre-internet though, so I had a little bit of you know had to go to the library to look him up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and I just kind of asked around, but and it was fun. Like over the years, getting to know him a little bit. I, I never knew him well, but realizing how much he did for the European jazz scene, for American musicians, for European musicians, for you know the sound with the ECM thing, of course, which he was not as involved with as it went, went along, but for just promoting great, oh man, we did great gigs. You know, He'd have these little town square gigs in Italy and he knew everybody and spoke like every European language and loved the music. Wow, yep. that's awesome. Uh, so number five, we're gonna go back to the musicians here and this is guitarist Freddie Green. Mm. Now he kind of is famous mm. for yeah. being like a, a, a workhorse of a, of a yeah. musician, but famously he, didn't really solo no. that much at all. I mean, uh, but was famous for his four on the floor four. swing. With like the, the original Basie rhythm orchestra. guitar. I mean, right? <laughs> really just chunking. Yeah. Dun, dun. I mean, there are whole schools on Freddie Green and how he did his yeah. thing, but uh, definitely an unsung hero in that band. Um, and yeah, I think in the music in general, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Swing and swing and player. Great one. Okay, number six, I'm going to go with someone that, that many are not going to know, but the few that do, I think will be will definitely bring a smile to their face, and that's George Brumat, the great George Brumat, yeah, yeah. who was the uh, founder and longtime proprietor and owner of Snug Harbor Jazz Club in New Orleans, uh, one of my favorite clubs. It's still going strong. George, we lost George about 11, 12 years ago, um, but he was just a great... He actually was born in Italy, I, and, I, and as a young child, emigrated to the United States, but he's not Italian. He's got like a whole story... It was always a little bit foggy, but he would spend a lot of time. <laughs> always very uh, New Orleans-y. <laughs> it was very New Orleans. I mean, this dude lived in the French Quarter, yeah. and the club was in the Marigny, which is like the next neighborhood. He's like, yeah, I'd commute every day by walking three minutes from one neighborhood. I mean, it was like it was like he was still in a little town in, in Italy or something. Yeah. Um, didn't drive and was just down there. And then during Hurricane Katrina, he actually stayed in the club because they had this um, – uh, it didn't flood in that neighborhood. And there was no power down there for a number of weeks, uh, maybe even a month or so. But he had this, uh, you know, like food locker, whatever. Um, you know, one of those like walk-in areas where you keep yeah. your stuff. And he was really careful about closing the door. So it was so hot and everything, but he could always go in there. And for like weeks, and he still had food and different things. And he invited a bunch of people from the neighborhood nice. to come by and, and really helped a lot of people out after Hurricane Katrina. But he built up this great jazz club, so many great musicians. He was a big champion of Ellis Marsalis, who still plays. I just had a friend that was there last Saturday night. He was still playing Snug Harbor on Saturday nights. Awesome. And that was George, was really like the pioneer of modern jazz for a whole generation. I mean, you talk about Steve Mazikowski, Tony DeGrotti, David Torkanowski, um, Herlin Riley, um, all, all the great modern players, you know, Victor Goins, you know, came through snug and had, had much love for George. That's so great, man. Yeah. That's so great. All right, we're on to number seven. Number seven is Todd Barkin. You want to get Todd Barkin? Yeah, Todd. So I just saw Todd at the NE. He just received an NEA Jazz Master Award. Is so that good? It's good. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, why do we put him on the unsung? Now he's sung. He's super but sung. He's super sung. <laughs> no, but I think he's still, because, you know, he's not a musician. <clears throat> he was a musician, I found out, during the NEA um, award ceremony. He talked about being a musician and, and, and stuff. I can't even remember what he played now. I'm, sh I'm so sorry, Todd. Big shout out to Todd. Love you, brother. <laughs> What was he? I mean, you know, he's the kind of guy that they used to call like a jazz impresario, sure. which when I was a kid, like up until a week ago, because I didn't know what the word meant. And ah. I finally looked it up. I was like, wow, that's cool. But he was just like, um, I was thinking about, he, I think the first time I saw his name was on a record 
when I was in high school, an Art Blakey record, like live at the Keystone Corner. And it said something about like produced or whatever. And I was like, oh, Todd. You know, when you used to study albums. Yeah, absolutely. So I always sort of knew his name. And when I met him, went up to New York. Um, actually, when I first went to the West Coast, I think is when I first met him. When he, when, um, there was another club, Kimball's, that I think he was involved with. But he was a big on the San Francisco jazz scene for years. Cool. And like big, um, uh, I think he's from Ohio, actually, and went to Oberlin. But, uh, I mean, just a great guy. And then he was at Jazz and Lincoln Center for a number of years, was the first, um, you know, booker for, for Dizzy's. And, but the Keystone Corner, that was, like, really his big thing. And it was a great club in San Francisco for years. And, um, and then, you know, he produced records for Fantasy and Concord, a lot of the Left Coast stuff. And great guy, Ty Barker. Going strong. I think he's living in Florida now, actually. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. I like this list a lot, man. I'm glad we did it. Uh, not the Mount Rushmore's of jazz, but the Bedrock. Ooh. I like that, yeah, man. Well, That's foundation, great. foundational. Foundational, uh, an unsung foundational list. That's right. Speaking of uh, unsung, we're actually becoming less than unsung with these great ratings and reviews we've been reviewing. People uh, are singing. <laughs> People are singing our praises. Um, we're going to read a couple of, uh, would you mind indulging me to for me to read a couple of reviews? I don't think I could stop you if I tried. <laughs> you couldn't. Okay, so we've got, uh, this is from the G1234. I don't know, you know, when you put your username as the G1234, it's almost like you think it's asking for a password. More uh, <laughs> but, but that's your, anyway. Yeah, I bet if you tried to log in and ask for a password, <laughs> if you put that, it would work. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he or she says, excellent, five stars, excellent as ever, great stuff from the UK um, and Northern Ireland. So thank you for that. Now this, this is kind of over the top. Matt Huntington, big shout out, what's up brother, from, from the USA. Ten and a half stars out of five. That's said. crazy. Ten and a half stars out of five. But look, he's got some logic behind it, some inner logic. His okay. review is, that's the rating, okay. ten and a half out of five. And then his review is, these guys give 210%. <laughs> very insightful advice for players. He's good at of, math, at least. He's very good, man. I, uh, very insightful. It's, it's so precise, man, with our effort level. Yeah. I, I do feel like we could give more, though. If we're at 210, there's got to be 300. Bro, I'm giving all I got. <laughs> 210 is your top, right? That's right. It's, it's actually 105 each. Uh, very insightful advice for players of all levels. Great humor throughout. My favorite episodes are where they get into the weeds of playing and theory. Love the episode on pentatonics as well as the one on how to play fast. So Matt will probably hate this episode because we didn't talk about theory of playing at all. Wait, but we, we'll, be, we'll be back to that. Have we done an episode on pentatonics? Yeah. Oh, man. We should yeah. do another one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Thank you, Matt. So please keep the ratings and reviews coming because it boosts our ego. Yeah, and <laughs> and don't forget to go to youllhearit.com to leave us a suggestion uh, or leave us a voice memo or just come in and say hi. Uh, and what then do you mean come in and say how, how are they going to do that? They could just type in there. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I mean, you could if you wanted to. We're gonna, we're, okay, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, oh, also we have our, our text for our newsletter thing yes. going on. So text... No, if you're driving, don't do it. Don't do it. Although certain states do allow texting still while driving. Yeah. But we don't recommend it. Here Idaho, the, probably. South, Missouri. Oh, the very state we're standing in right gravy. now. Good gravy. Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, so pull over and, and uh, get to a safe, happy place and text, you'll hear it, one word, all capital letters, uh-huh. to 44222. Mm-hmm. Um, now, depending on your plan, you might have to pay for Does anyone still pay for texts? No. I don't think so. I don't think okay. so. <laughs> and then, so then they'll be signed up for our weekly Monday newsletter. Monday newsletter yeah. where all things you'll hear it. Cool. Okay. Uh, and then uh, we're still running our special here, our popular special for our 
loyal you'll hear it listeners you get 10% off open studios all access pass that's everything we make here and everything we will make in the next year um, that's 10% off that just enter you'll hear it in the offer code field when you check out with an annual all access pass cool I yeah. love it so until next time Pete you'll hear it Thank you.